0: Hello and welcome to another daily fintech news update by Connecting the Dots in Fintech. My name is Renee van Pelt and today we'll deviate completely from the regular format. With, as you know, a lot has happened last week with the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. And I think it's appropriate to dedicate this episode to some background information about the situation. And of course, all of the news we don't cover today because of the Silicon Valley Bank drama... We will cover tomorrow in the regular episode. But before we start, it's time to talk about our sponsor for today, Zotapay. Zotapay is a cross-border payments platform that connects global companies with new and emerging markets, enabling them to expand their reach worldwide and accept payments in any currency. Check out Zotapay's website at Zotapay.com. That's Z-O-T-A-P-A-Y dot com. And of course, we thank Zotapay for sponsoring this special episode. Last week, we witnessed the start of the collapse of a bank, not a small bank. Silicon Valley Bank was one of the 20 largest banks in the United States of America, and it was the bank with the largest market share in the tech and growth sector. But let's not forget that Silvergate Bank, another California-based bank specialized in tech, went into voluntary liquidation last week as well. Quick lineup of newspaper headings of the last week resembles the beginning of every movie and documentary made about the 2000 and com and financial crises. So what I want to do today is take a look back at the events leading up to the collapse and also take a look at the more short-term history, what happened last week, what happened this weekend, and let's have some fun and speculate about what's going to happen this week, right? So to quickly summarize what happened last week, On March 8th, SVB admitted it sold a lot of its available securities because it needed cash. Um, Moody's and S&P downgraded SVB's credit rating. Next came some early warning signals of a bank run, like rumors and reports coming through of delayed wire transfers from the bank. And um, Peter Thiel admitting that the founders fund, his his VC fund, uh, instructed all of its startups to take back the money stored at SVB, and most importantly, the CEO of the bank telling everybody to stay calm. The stock price of SVB went into a freefall, the company wasn't able to raise any additional funds, and before the end of the week, the FDIC took control of the company, and before the end of the weekend, the UK arm of SVB had been sold to HSBC for a symbolic dollar. So that's the, the quick overview of the escalation of the last week. And what I want to do now is take a more deep dive into the history and maybe into the future of the situation. The now default Silicon Valley bank works almost exclusively with VC firms, startups and growth companies. SVB profited greatly from the latest tech boom and monetary policy had a lot to do with that. Interest rates were low, money was cheap, and the amount of VC money that went towards tech and growth companies went through the roof. Cheap money and low interest rates fueled Silicon Valley startups, which in turn fueled SVB's balance sheet. SVB was said to offer banking services to 44% of VC-backed companies in the United States. In SVB's annual report for the fiscal year ended December 31, 2021. The company's stock price was reported at a level of almost 400% of the price, reported both three and five years earlier. In the report, net income was up 48% year-over-year and deposits rose by almost 90% year-over-year, reaching $200 billion. The report is full of actual hockey stick graphs and lots of them. This wouldn't, however, be the case for the year ended December 2022, which the company reported just over two weeks ago, on February 24th. You see what happened? In 2022, the Federal Reserve's monetary policy turned 180 degrees. Interest rose, the money supply was tightened at least a bit, and in the broadest sense, money started to cost money again. This change affected SVB because a big chunk of their assets consisted of long-term government bonds, which are now worth less than they were before due to the rapidly rising interest rates. But as stated before, SVB's clients were just as vulnerable for these market conditions as their trusted bank. The exact group of companies that were dumping their VC funds into SVB accounts for the past few years is a group of companies that has had a much harder time raising funds over the last year, which in turn led to SVB clients withdrawing funds from their accounts in an increasing pace. SVB's need for cash grew and as a bank post-1980, they didn't necessarily have the cash on hand to cover withdrawals and were forced to sell their risky long-term treasury bonds at a loss. When a bank sells a bond at a loss, this excludes the option to let the bond go into maturity. 10-year bonds go into maturity after obviously 10 years and bonds which yield lower interest rates than are currently available could be sold at a loss as was the case for a big part of SVB's portfolio. When they go into maturity, the bondholder would still have a lower valued asset in its books for an extended period of time, but no actual losses are realized. So it seemed to be a fantastic model in the years before, turned out to be a tremendously under-diversified bet in hindsight. The company was forced to sell parts of its portfolio for $21 billion at an enormous loss. On Thursday, the company disclosed a loss of $1.8 billion dollars. When the news of the loss-bearing bond sale broke, the SVB stock dropped 60% in price in a single day. The freefall continued on Friday, leaving the stock price at about a third of its value a week before when the market closed for the weekend. What happened in the days after was a typical bank run scenario. The CEO told everybody to stay calm and not to worry, Meanwhile, reports came out about that CEO and other executives selling stock in the days and weeks prior. Rumors about delayed wire transfers from SCP started doing the rounds and companies with a relation to the bank started coming out either telling the public that they have saved their money from a potential collapse or that they would stay loyal to their bank. And that is exactly what a bank looks like in the last moments before its collapse. And now as any good Silicon Valley story goes, Peter Thiel rapidly became a player in the situation. It was reported that Thiel's Founders Fund noticed disturbances in the SVB platform when they did a call for capital with investing partners using an SVB account. Founders Fund instructed related startups to reduce exposure to SVB and to move their money away from the bank. Peter Thiel has confirmed that the fund and its portfolio companies had no funds stashed in SVB Trust on Thursday when the cataclysmic events started to unfold. The FDIC, the government agency responsible for the insurance of bank deposits, closed down SVB and took control over operations. They announced right away that depositors would have access to insured funds on Monday by the latest, which is today. Branch offices would also open up today again. Yesterday, HSBC announced that it has purchased the UK arm of Silicon Valley Bank for a single symbolic pound. At the time of purchase, SVB UK had loans of around £5.5 billion and deposits of around £6.7 billion. This almost certainly means that deposits from customers of SVB UK are safe. However, a commercial buyout doesn't seem to be the solution for clients of the US arm of SVB The U.S. Treasury, the Fed, and the FDIC stated on Sunday that the government will back any deposits beyond the funds insured through the FDIC, which typically insures deposits up to $250,000 and only cover about 90% of deposits at SVB. Of course, we don't know what the future will bring, but we have had a weekend to see the first effects and information about which companies had their money in SVB trust is coming in by the hour. For example, streaming company Roku has almost half a billion of uninsured money in SVB trust. Without backing of the US government, this money might be lost and companies, their investors, their clients and their staff could be heavily impacted. Another example of the effects of such a collapse could be seen in the crypto market. Stablecoin USDC, which is said to be backed by US dollars, got deep backed from the dollar as reports came out about some of the backing dollars being deposited to SVB. The integrity of such a stablecoin to fiat pegging is important because this is one of the main ways the industry can provide liquidity to the crypto markets. And while all of these problems seem solved by the government intervention, we all know we cannot have our cake and eat it too. When deposits aren't backed by value, somebody is going to pay. Either the depositor or the taxpayer. All might seem under control right now, but is SVB the only bank that is not able to back deposits? In the same week, crypto-friendly bank Silvergate Bank has gone into voluntary liquidation and it is only since very recently that the crypto market is full of opaque and possibly untrustworthy margins, loans and derivatives. BlockFi, Genesis, Celsius, Babel Finance all got into trouble in the last few months and we should as an industry hope for the best of course, but looking at the recent past we might be better off preparing for the worst. Okay, that's it for today. Um, Thanks for listening again, of course. Tomorrow we'll be back with regular news. Um, Check out our website at ctd.fm. That's ctd for connecting the dots.fm. Send me a message if you missed something today or have some commentary on the story today. So thanks again for listening and be back tomorrow. Cheers.